But when we saw that lovely Indian choir, and the ladies all dressed like that, I'll be going to India, of course, in January, but I saw those lovely ladies and the men dressed up in their tribal uh, dress, very colourful, when I was up near New Delhi, teaching in a Bible college there. And uh, I have heard very recently that the extreme Hindu government, which is fairly new in India, the extremity of it, want to remove all Christians from India by 2021. Please, they need your prayers. They're wonderful Christians. Pardon, Peter? That's the problem, you see. They want to completely extinguish the Christian influence between there since William Carey. Well, that's just a thought I'd like to share that with you. And uh, our theme now, as we look at the scriptures, it's uh, the danger of not being rich towards God. Is it possible for a Christian to be in that state? Well, let's read, first of all, the parable of the rich fool, the farmer, rich farmer, and then later on the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. So let's go, please, to Luke chapter 12. We're going to stay a lot in Luke's Gospel tonight. Luke chapter 12, I'm going to read from verse 13 to 21. The parable of the rich fool. Luke 13, sorry, Luke 12, verse 13 to 21. Luke 12, one from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he comes to a related parable. Verse 16, Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this, I will pull down my barns, I will build greater, and there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, tonight your soul will be required of you. Then whose will these provided. So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. There's another meaning of treasure there. Back in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, 24, and you didn't turn to it, I'll read it. Jesus says, Woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. You've got in this life or you're going to get. Then Luke 9, 25, What advantage is it to a man if he gains the whole world and himself is destroyed and lost. So this rich fool, as God called him, and only God has a right to call a person a fool, this rich farmer, who is very foolish, had wrong priorities, wrong perspective on life. His possessions, and the increase of possessions, were his goal, and not God. And the reasons? Well, go over into chapter 16 now with me, you in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 16, and just look... For a moment, to verse 13 to 15. Luke 16, 13 to 15. Again, as a result of a parable, his conclusion. Luke 16, 13 to 15. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money note that also heard all these things and they derided him. 
And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That means the emphasis on a wrong use of riches is an abomination to God. So several places in the New Testament letters, and I looked them up, but we'll mention them now, several places in the New Testament letters warn believers against covetousness. Paul, led by the Holy Spirit, is writing to Christians at different churches to beware of the danger of covetousness as believers. It may not be a general thing, but it can be a momentary impulse, occasionally, or rarely, even from time to time. You know the parable, of course, of the four souls, or the four different seeds. And in Luke 8, 14, I'll just read it to you. The seed that fell among thorns are those who, when they have heard and are choked with cares, the riches and the pleasures of life. I want to go back to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13. Not the same place where Jim was, but in Matthew 13, if you look, it's in those parables. Matthew 13, look at verse 22. It's in the same parable, but there's something added in Matthew. It's in Mark as well. Matthew 13, verse 22. Now, he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. That's the difference. The deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Wrong perspective of wealth, riches, wrong application of them can be deceitful. The Lord does give some Christians considerable wealth. That's good. And they are requested and challenged to be wise stewards to support the work of the Lord. That's good. But if he gets a wrong view and wrong perspective of this, honest possessions, that can prove very deceitful to him and he'll lose out. Not salvation, but lose out blessing. I'd like you to turn to Hebrews and see something very similar to that in Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And look at verse 13. It's well worth looking it up. Hebrews 3 and verse 13. He's writing to believers because he calls him brethren in verse 12. And he says in that verse 12, Beware brethren, lest there be in any of you brethren, Christians, an evil heart of unbelief. Well, that was their problem, wasn't it? In departing from the living God. Is that possible? Well, they wanted to go back under the law, not under grace. But exhort, encourage, challenge one another daily. Verse 13, while it is called today, now present, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hardened. Hardened by the deceitfulness of a wrong use of the perspective of wealth. God does bless wealth, no question about it. He does, as I said just now, and he challenges people to be a good steward of that. Certainly does. Now notice that this farmer, as I emphasized when I read this parable, he was full of I, 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 I'm going to do this. And he speaks to his soul that he could be blessed by the material things. Sorry, he can't feed the soul with material things. But he was full of I in that 12, 17 to 19. Now the believer who has the right priorities and a true perspective of what he possesses as the right steward of them before the Lord and for the Lord and for his purposes, that person then has the real treasure in heaven. 
the real unsearchable riches of Christ. Well, if you go back to Luke again, please, with me, and go back to Luke chapter 12 and verse 33. Luke 12, 33. Go back there with me, please. And he says this to his disciples. You can see that in 22. Verse 33 of Luke 12. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old. A treasure in the heavens, there it is, that does not fail, where no thief approaches, where no thief approaches, nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That's having right perspective, having right priorities, and the right goal, getting it all balanced out. But of course here, Jesus is talking to his disciples, a bit of an aside here. He's telling them to go out and preach the gospel of the kingdom where they would be provided for from his own people, the Jewish people. This is not preaching the gospel of grace. That happens, of course, from the church. This is the gospel of the kingdom they were called to preach, that the king is coming. That will be repeated by the 144,000, but I don't want to be digressing on that. So there was a destruction. And if you go to chapter 18 now, we'll spend our time in Luke. Chapter 18. And look at verse 22. And this is his reply, of course, to the man, the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and asked him different questions, how he could inherit eternal life. Jesus quotes the law, of course, to him largely. And uh, in verse 22 of Luke 18, this is his reply. Luke 18, verse 22. So when Jesus heard these things, he said, well, I, I do what I can in obeying the law, said the man. When he heard he said to him, you still lack one thing. You still got a priority wrong. Your wrong view of your possessions and what you both have. Sell all that you have, distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. It doesn't mean to say we had to work for salvation by giving up so much. It doesn't mean that. But he got his priorities wrong. And getting priorities right and being saved and being good stewards of what the Lord entrusts us with, because everything belongs to him, what entrusts us with in salvation experience, then the Lord rewards the treasure in heaven. We've looked at some of them already. And he says, what did he say then to him? Come and follow me. Of course, he went away sorrowful, because he was very rich. Mm. And what did Jesus say in verse 25 as a result of all this interview? It is easier for a camel to go through an Eden needle's eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. That means trusting in his own possessions, trusting in his own uh, ideas, trusting in his own ability, trusting in his own security, instead of finding his security in Christ. That's a problem. But the misuse, a wrong perspective of wealth, possessions, of anything, it can give a wrong, because our security is in Christ, or whatever our standing position is. This man, of course, he got his priorities and perspectives wrong, didn't he? And he missed the real treasure. We don't know whether he ever came back to Jesus, nothing in the scriptures, we don't know. You see, the treasure that we have in heaven, our Lord Jesus Christ, can never be taken away from us, but we shall all leave what we have behind. But our treasure in heaven is ours eternally. Worth it, isn't it? Yes, you see, if the Lord is our master, if he is our Lord, the money and possessions will never be your master. Possess your possessions and don't let your possessions possess you. This is what Jesus is really saying here. Now this rich farmer, we read the parable, he certainly possessed a great deal of wealth and he wanted to expand it. That's all he had mind for. And he was never satisfied. He wanted more. That's the danger. That's the deceitfulness. 
And there was that comment that Jesus made, you cannot serve God and mammon. The mammon's an interesting word. It's an Aramaic word, and it means money and possession. You can't serve money and possession and serve God. You've got your priorities, your thinking, your goal, your aim is on that and that only. Now momentarily, momentarily, at odd moments, that can happen to a Christian. We're taking eyes off the Lord for a moment, and we get worried about what we have, or what we don't have. You see, in a sense, wealth and money is quite neutral. It's a love of money, said Paul, that is the root of all evil. Money is quite neutral. It's what to do with it or not do with it. And the true believer is, of course, free. He's not in that sort of bondage at all. He's not bound by all these... It's concentration. Like this rich farmer, building, 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 expanding. Probably in the parable, anyway, I'm expanding it a bit. Buying up at cheap rate all the farms around him and kicking the others out. That's all he was bothered with. No, said Jesus, you don't. And you see, I don't know whether tonight we'll have any time to look at the other parable of uh, the rich man and Lazarus. But you see, he completely ignored the poor man who sat at his gates and the daughter licked his sores, totally impoverished. He ignored him completely. Yet some to sit at the table, he's very rich, very wealthy. He dressed so well. The poor man outside had nothing whatever. He was a beggar in rags. He failed to use what he possessed as a good steward of what God had trusted him with. That was a parable, I know. But maybe look at that another time. We've already looked at Romans 12, 1 and 2, as James is saying, not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind and attitude. That's something that is true. Uh, go back to Luke 16, verse 14. Chapter 16 and verse 14. Now, I mentioned just now that here is this clash as always there was between Jesus and the Pharisees and their attitude to him. It's in verse 14. (coughs) 14 and 15. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money you read us that they were very rich also heard all these things he's been talking about right stewardship of possessions earlier and they derided him. They mocked him. Refused him. Tried to belittle him. And do away with him later. And Jesus said to them in verse 15, You are those who justify yourselves before men. But God knows your hearts. But God knows your hearts. For what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The ruining nature of the deceitfulness of a misuse of possessions. Pharisees were lovers of money. And they again treated people very poorly, especially widows. They overcharged extortionate rates, couldn't pay if you allowed like the rich man, not at all considering the poor man. But situations were very much reversed in the end after they both died. Don't think enough time to look at that. So you see here again there was a conflict between the Pharisees with their attitudes and Jesus with his what a conflict of priorities here and true perspectives. Possessions are not permanent. Rich farmer thought they were. He said you can feed your wealth to your soul. No you can't. See, what we have is only temporary. We're just passing through this world. And let's have a light touch on what we have. And what God the Lord trusts us with, of course. In fact, all we have belongs to the Lord anyway. He created it all. Pharisees and the rich farmer, whom God called a fool. We probably call the Pharisees the same as well. I'd like you to go back to a psalm. Yes, Psalm 39. Let's go back there for a moment. Psalm 39. And look at verse 6. Psalm 39 and verse 6. How true this is. It's a picture of that rich farmer. It's a picture of the, of the rich man. The parable of the rich man and Lazarus. 
It's a picture of the Pharisee. It's a picture of people who have wealth in the world. Psalm 39, verse 6. Surely every man walks about like a shadow. Interesting. Shadow, you see, is not real substance. It's only a shadow. It's not real. Every man walks about like a shadow. Surely they should busy themselves in vain. He heaps up riches. The rich man did. And he's growing Lazarus. The rich farmer, the fool, as God called him, is doing the same thing. He heaps up riches and does not know who will gather them. That's what Jesus in the parable is saying. God is saying to this rich farmer, Whose will they be when you die? A bit of a shock to him, I dare say. Well, it's a parable, I know. How people in the world busy themselves with attempts to gain. Some people like to gain popularity. Some people like to gain wealth. Some people like to gain money, wealth, wisdom, learning, call it what you like. But uh, not. We'll just look briefly. We can take five minutes looking at Luke 16 and the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. We'll, we'll read it. Won't have much time to deal with it, I don't think. But in Luke 16, 19 to the end of the chapter, the power of the rich man and Lazarus. Luke 16, from verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He had well and dressed well. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died, was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. He was with the Lord in heaven. The rich man also died and was buried. We know where he ended up. Not in Abraham's bosom, not in heaven. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Just for once he needed Lazarus. He wasn't going to get his help. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus, evil things, insufficient things, empty. Now he is comforted, and you are tormented. What a reversal of life. Besides of this, between us and you, there is a great gulf. Notice he says between us. It's a great gulf that is fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you therefore, Father Abraham, that is, that you would send him to my father's house. He had used for Lazarus again, but to no avail. I have five brothers. He may testify, he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. No, they won't. They never did it. They at the resurrection of another Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus. Because when Jesus raised Lazarus back to life, that was the last straw for his enemies. They profited his death from then on. But Abraham said, as he said, verse 31, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded that one rise from the dead. And Jesus did. Did there much difference to most people? Not at all. You see, in all this, the warning here, it's to guard against covetousness. I've said there's a warning in the New Testament letters for that. Be wary of covetous intention. Such a life is focused on possessions and false security, wrong perspectives. And even for believers, there may be a moment when the Lord is out of focus and our mind is on other things.
Now, I suppose in the course, I might as often on my work or whatever else we have to do, that's all right. But if it's on, like this, on our possessions or our security in them, that's a different matter, isn't it? Same with the parable of the rich farmer. Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. Rich farmer, he said to his soul, my soul, you've got many goods. Well, that was no good to his soul. See, he followed the world of self-preservation. True riches is a heavenly reward for the faithful Christian who gets his perspective and what God trusts him with. In fact, I won't ask you to read this, but one quick thought. In Second Peter chapter 2, he warns people against false teachers because he said these false teachers have a heart trained in covetousness. They have a heart trained in covetousness. Well, I won't talk about certain people who've got great wealth in the United States who pretend to serve the Lord. But for you and I, our true riches are with the Lord for eternity. To be not rich towards God is a reversal of true riches we have in Christ. To be rich towards God is realizing who he is, where we stand, and what are the true riches, the unsearchable and exceeding riches. Who Christ is and that which he gives to us and promises to give to us. And just to close in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you didn't turn to it. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That's what he's obtained for us. The true riches and the real treasure. 